Today I'd like to welcome to the PodMD studio Dr. Chin Yong. Chin is a certified urogynecologist and female pelvic floor reconstruction surgeon, practicing in both public and private. His main practice is based at Epworth Freemasons Hospital in Melbourne. He also works at the Jean Hale Centre in East Melbourne and the Royal Women's Hospital Pelvic Floor Unit. Chin is also a member of the Multidisciplinary Pelvic Pain Service at Francis Perry House. Apart from clinical appointments, Chin actively involves himself in clinical education and research projects, particularly focusing on conservative management and native tissue surgical correction for pelvic organ prolapse. He offers minimally invasive surgery options, including laparoscopic and robotic pelvic floor reconstruction. Today we'll be discussing the topic of pelvic organ prolapse. This podcast is brought to you by DPM Financial Services. DPM is a specialist medical financial advice firm that aims to empower doctors of Australia to make the right financial decisions and achieve their financial goals. We do hope that you enjoy this podcast, but please remember that the advice given here is of a general nature and is not intended as specific advice about any given patient. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the doctor, not of PodMD. If you do have a patient on whom you require specific advice, then please seek that advice from a colleague with appropriate expertise in the area. Chin, thank you for talking with us today on PodMD. Thank you for having me. The topic of today's discussion is pelvic organ prolapse. Chin, can you describe for our listeners what pelvic organ prolapse really is? Pelvic organ prolapse is commonly described as the herniation of the pelvic organ through the vagina, which can be either due to the bladder, the uterus, the bowel, or all of the above. This is a non-life-threatening condition, uh, but can significantly affect the woman's quality of life. It's a very common problem uh, that we see. It tends to affect approximately one in two women uh, following childbirth. And around 40% women will have uh, some form of symptoms. In Australia, we see approximately 19% of women will require some form of surgical intervention at some stage of their life. Yes, so, so this is fairly common uh, but not normal. This is what I tend to tell my patients. And the way we, we uh, classify the prolapse, it comes into four different stages. Stage one uh, is anyway in bet- uh, coming down to the mid-vagina. Uh, stage two is when the prolapse comes to the opening, uh, approximately one centimeter above or below the opening. Stage three is one centimeter outside the opening, stage four means all out. The prolapse typically affects uh, women, uh, um, as I said, normally after pregnancy and childbirth. Uh, aging and menopause is also another common risk factor as, uh, as uh, women go through the change of life, uh, the estrogen level becomes lower and the tissue quality can change. And typically women who had problems earlier in their life tends to have worsened symptoms after menopause due to these changes. Uh, women who have uh, um, been exposed to prolonged repetitive uh, uh, exertion on their pelvic floor muscles, such as uh, heavy lifting, uh, chronic cough or constipations or obesity are also at uh, uh, increased risk of developing this problem. Uh, and last but not the least, uh, connective tissue problems can uh, also be another additional risk factors, although we don't see this common, commonly, such as um, Ehlers-Danlos or Marfan syndrome. Thank you, Chin. And tell us now, how can we identify women who may have this condition? 
This is a silent problem. People don't normally disclose this unless you start asking. From GP perspective, I strongly recommend uh, GP uh, use it as an opportunistic screening. Uh, whenever a patient comes to visit you in your room or when, or when they require a, a cervical screening test. It's very common and it's easy for you to ask uh, the woman whether they have any bothersome bulge or from the bladder or any bowel issues uh, that, that is uh, bothering them. And, and all, all, all you need to do is to ask those simple questions to capture uh, this group of women because they will not disclose the problem until you ask them. And most women will consider this as a, as a normal problem and hence they may not find it uh, uh, an issue uh, unless you ask them uh, and there is always something can be done about it. And how would a patient with pelvic organ prolapse typically present? So the, the most common presentation is usually a lump uh, sitting in the vagina, uh, either in the form of bulge or heaviness. Uh, and, and as I alluded in my previous question, typically when patient comes to, to see a doctor uh, or seek help, they will have at least a stage two uh, prolapse, meaning uh, something at the opening. Uh, they can also experience uh, uh, painful sex uh, particularly during penetration or the partner felt some form of obstruction during penetrations. Um, they can also present with uh, bladder symptoms such as urinary urgency, frequency or even incontinence, uh, trouble emptying the bladder or recurrent bladder infections. Um, they can also come with um, bowel problems such as trouble in emptying their bowels, uh, needing to use their fingers uh, to reduce the bulge to assist with the bowel emptying. And very occasionally they get a bit of uh, accidents from the bowel, which can also uh, happen concurrently with uh, other prolapse issues such as the rectal prolapse. Thanks, Chin. Now, could you outline for us the treatment options that are available? So, so the way I divide this uh, uh, management options, uh, divided into the surgical, non-surgical and surgical uh, management. In terms of non-surgical management, the first line of treatment as the American College of Obstetrician and Gynecologists uh, recommended, vaginal pessary is the first line of management for treatment of pelvic organ prolapse. Uh, there are different sizes and shapes uh, uh, that I offer uh, to patients. Uh, the successful pessary use is typically around 50%. Uh, so it's a matter of trial and error, um, and pretty much uh, most women will will declare themselves whether uh, this management option uh, is suitable uh, for them or not. Uh, and there is also an, an option uh, for pessary self-care uh, for some women who have uh, who wishes to have a better control uh, in this uh, in their own care. Conservative management with pelvic floor physiotherapies uh, is also another uh, important management, uh, basically to rehab uh, their pelvic floor muscles uh, following a childbirth injury or any surgical intervention. Um, this will uh, not reverse any uh, structural problems, but will only control uh, the prolapse symptoms, i.e. the uh, heaviness or the bulge sensation. And these two can be used in combination uh, with the vaginal pessaries 
and, and some pelvic floor physiotherapies, they do uh, manage uh, vaginal histories in the community. So this, this is a, a, an important uh, first line management before proceeding to surgical management. However, there was a, another group of patients uh, that were not that are not responding to the um, conservative measures and uh, and therefore surgical management uh, will be the next uh, step. Uh, in terms of surgical treatment, uh, there are various options available, ranging from uh, uterine preservation surgery or hysterectomy. The first thing that woman normally comes to me, they ask about hysterectomy as part of the treatment for the prolapse. My, my advice to them is that there's actually no uh, indication uh, to remove an organ if it's normal. And, it, and, and the research evidence have actually indicated that there is no difference in the prolapse outcome uh, or recovery. In fact, those who are keeping the uterus in place uh, tends to have lesser blood loss and shorter operating time. So it is beneficial uh, uh, to keep the uterus in that sense. However, before making any decision to remove or to keep the uterus, uh, the patient will need careful assessment uh, by the specialist uh, before proceeding with any further uh, management from that perspective. On the other hand, there are some situations where the uterine conservation surgery is contraindicated, uh, such as history of abnormal uterine bleeding, bulky large multifibroid uterus, thickened endometrium, or cancers, uh, recent history of high-grade cervical dysplasia, or hereditary um, genetic disorders such as uh, the BRCA gene or Lynch syndrome. Um, this group of women will certainly benefit uh, from having a concurrent hysterectomy uh, as part of their prolapse surgery. In terms of the primary prolapse surgery option, I tend to offer uh, a patient's native tissue uh, reconstruction surgery as the first-line treatment, uh, which can be achieved uh, by either vaginally, laparoscopically, or a robotic approach. As we're all aware, uh, most women are reluctant to have pelvic mesh uh, due to the recent uh, safety concerns and negative uh, publicities uh, surrounding uh, the pelvic mesh use, um, vaginal mesh use, in particular uh, for treatment of pelvic organ prolapse uh, has been uh, completely withdrawn uh, in Australasia uh, after uh, losing the litigation battle due to the lack of safety data. Abdominal mesh use on the other hand, which has been described as the gold standard treatment for the uh, uterine or post-hysterectomy vaginal vault prolapse treatment is a great treatment option for women with a recurrent or, or advanced pelvic organ prolapse. Unfortunately, um, no matter how successful this treatment is, uh, most women still refusing to have uh, the abdominal mesh uh, due to the ongoing negative publicities associated with pelvic mesh use, uh, regardless uh, of their effectiveness and uh, safety data. I tend to spend more time uh, carefully counseling my patients and offering uh, various management options 
uh, and more importantly, uh, to have a shared decision-making process before embarking with any form of surgical management. Chin, I think they are things that we are broadly um, familiar with. And of course, specialists in the area are constantly refining the technique and the application. I'm also interested to know, though, whether there are any new developments or any active research we should be aware of? Yes, definitely. Um, um, There are a few research uh, and ongoing research going on at the moment. Uh, We have recently completed uh, a a vaginal pessary study and uh, we're awaiting publications uh, uh, on that uh, research data. Uh, It is a new vaginal pessary called the CPOP. CPOP stands for Conservative Pelvic Organ Prolapse Pessary. It's a medical, it's made uh, using a medical grade silicon, um, and subjectively, uh, patients felt uh, having less vaginal discharge or discomfort compared to the traditional PVC uh, ring pessary, and a lot of my patients felt it easier to uh, manage the pessary due to the ease of uh, handling the pessary uh, and folding. Uh, uh, the pessaries prior to insertion into the vagina. Uh, Another important, uh, uh, potentially important change in uh, surgical management for prolapse surgery is the use of uh, autologous fascial larder uh, for treatment of pelvic organ prolapse and incontinence for women. This this technique was uh, developed in response to the uh, recent mesh controversies uh, basically uh, is a piece of tissue, a uh, fascia that is harvested from the thigh and then that get uh, used and implanted uh, for the prolapse surgery use. Uh, it's basically the same sort of procedure that we use uh, for mesh procedures such as sacrocopopexy, uh, sacrohistropexy, but we're replacing the mesh with patients on fascia. So that this is a very good option uh, for women who are mesh adverse or who had previous mesh complications after some form of mesh removal or mesh surgery. Uh, This is an ongoing uh, research study that is uh, uh, being undertaken through Epworth Freemasons uh, East Melbourne Hospital uh, and there are a lot more uh, data uh, coming out uh, in uh, in the next few months. Uh, certainly, um, this will be uh, potentially the new magic bullet uh, in pelvic floor surgery in response to the mesh, uh, as we're seeing more uh, women coming to the practice not wanting to have mesh and basically they just uh, put off whenever, or if, before we even started any conversation, the first thing the patient will tell us is not wanting to have any mesh. And Chin, what is the likelihood of recurrence in this condition? We, we know that there's a, the really good uh, published data that uh, women who have uh, pelvic organ prolapse or advanced prolapse, stage three or four, uh, they're more, they have high recurrence rate, which has been reported somewhere between 30 to 40% uh, in the short to long-term uh, with native tissue surgery, meaning using their own tissues with sutures only. Uh, this is partly because this is not because the surgery is not good. Um, I think the biggest uh, factor is something to do with patient's tissue quality and 
and certainly tissue quality can change with time. Uh, and, and, and other main factors that increases the prolapse recurrence include uh, a younger age, less than 60 years old, advanced uh, pelvic organ prolapse stage three or more, uh, women with widened genital hiatus as a result of childbirth, and this uh, increases further if they have four or more, or uh, had some form of instrumental delivery such as forceps. Um, women who had a previous hysterectomy also at increased risk of prolapse recurrence uh, because all the important supportive structures would have been divided uh, before removing the uterus. And therefore, it is important to re-establish those connections uh, when a hysterectomy is performed. Uh, however, if a woman had a hysterectomy for benign reasons, normally uh, they would not have a concurrent uh, supportive procedures uh, during that time. Uh, and generally, they will come back uh, at a later stage with a prolapse. So due to those uh, risk factors of prolapse recurrence, uh, the mesh or fascia lighter uh, surgery was designed uh, for patients who have high risk of prolapse recurrence. Uh, and, and certainly uh, before proceeding with any form of surgical interventions, patients need to be carefully counseled and, and uh, made aware of the potential risks and, and the rationale of having uh, um, mesh or fascia lata surgery. Thanks, Chin. And could you just tell us now when you think the general practitioner should make a referral to a specialist in this condition? Uh, there, there are no fast or, or hard rule. Basically, if the GP felt that that's something beyond their expertise, uh, uh, um, they, they should... Uh, uh, they can start referring the patients. Uh, the, the general guide uh, is uh, the general guide to GPs when to refer when uh, the patient has failed to uh, improve with conservative management, i.e. the vaginal piercings or pelvic floor physiotherapies in the community. Uh, patients who have complex pelvic floor symptoms such as uh, um, urinary incontinence, voiding difficulties, bowel issues, and prolapse, uh, uh, those group of women, uh, I strongly recommend the GP to refer early because uh, they will likely require a multidisciplinary team input and, and have an early uh, assessment uh, before proceeding to, to any further management. Women with recurrent prolapse are either uh, they had mesh or without mesh in the past uh, is also uh, someone that require uh, a specialist uh, assessment uh, in the early phase of management. And in terms of treatment, what role does a general practitioner have in the ongoing treatment of this condition? So, so the GP has a huge role uh, in, in the community, uh, basically performing a clinical assessment, basic clinical assessment uh, and examination, uh, at the first point of contact and refer on if, if they uh, felt necessary. Um, and it's also important for them to start implementing the conservative measures such as uh, lifestyle modifications uh, um, that, that, that are pertinent to, to uh, pelvic organ prolapse developments such as uh, chronic constipation, chronic cough, uh, obesity, all those things can be done first in the community. Uh, and, and, uh, and also 
uh, initiate a referral to pelvic floor physiotherapies, uh, I strongly recommend uh, the GP to work closely with uh, uh, physiotherapies uh, in the community, uh, and, and this will be a good way to start. And also uh, important for the GP to monitor uh, for the complications as a result of prolapse, such as a UTI uh, or troubles with emptying uh, their bladder or bowels that require uh, an escalation to the specialist care. Uh, more importantly is uh, coordinating the care with all the other disciplines, uh, um, either in the form of urogynecologists, physiotherapists, colorectal surgeons. Uh, um, some, some of the patients may require uh, clinical psychologists or, or, or sexual counselor if they have issues with, with intimacy. And more importantly, I, I've, I truly believe that patients actually has a lot of trust and faith in the GP uh, before making any major decision uh, in treatment. Uh, particularly before embarking with any form of surgery, um, just to have someone agreeing with their decision making uh, is important. Um, and and I've, I, I think patient generally has better rapport and trust uh, having talking to someone that they know uh, and, and giving them the reassurance that they're making the right decision. Those are very important factors uh, to engage the patients in the treatment. Chin, thank you again for your time here today in the PodMD studio. Just to sum things up for us, could you please identify three key take-home messages from your podcast today on pelvic organ prolapse? Certainly. Um, uh, as I alluded before, prolapse is a common problem, but not normal. So we need to make sure that women understand about this. Uh, and there is always something that we can treat do to treat the conditions or, or prevent uh, the condition from worsening uh, if we identify the problems early. So, so that goes back to the screening as well. If we pick them up early, we can implement the therapy early. Uh, next thing is to start the conservative therapy early in the community uh, and know your local pelvic floor physiotherapies. Uh, I strongly recommend uh, working alongside with a certified pelvic floor continence physiotherapies uh, and not just uh, a, a routine uh, Pilates uh, physiotherapy because they all have different skill sets. Uh, and and uh, if you're unsure, then uh, one thing you can do is to go on to the CFA website and search for a CFA credential physiotherapies. And finally, of course, uh, to refer early if uh, the patient has complex issues uh, or they fail the conservative management. And importantly, if you feel like uh, it's beyond your expertise and you're not sure what to do, it is also an option to refer the patient on early. Well, Chin, thank you again for your time and the insights that you've provided. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>